BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. I wanted to tell you about one of my fondest memories of Vin Scully, who passed away at 94 overnight in Los Angeles. I spent a large chunk of my career in Lipstick City, a decade uh, living there and working there and doing Pharrell on a bench. I started my career in Bloomington, Indiana at 18 years old doing uh, Indiana University sports and mostly basketball. I did soccer, football. I did everything, but uh, I DJed overnight. I was on a real station, not a college station. And I ended up in Pittsburgh at, at CBS working for KQV, an all-news station, covering the Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, and Pitt. Then I go to Chicago, and I did talk radio and covered the White Sox and Blackhawks. And then uh, I ended up out in Las Vegas, and I started doing national sports talk shows. And I got pretty big, pretty fast. I ended up working uh, back in Atlanta at CNN. And then I went from CNN to San Francisco and KMBR, the home of the uh, Giants and Warriors. But it wasn't until I got the biggest job of my life working for Mel Carmison and CBS and Infinity in Los Angeles at Westwood One and doing my show at Westwood One in Culver City. It was a New York show out of L.A. I was doing... Uh, everything right there in LA, but it was a WFAN New York broadcast. Uh, that's where I was uh, allegedly the home base of the thing. Every day I would do the show, I would get to the studio, and there would be just hundreds of faxes of the newspapers in New York the Daily News, the Post, Newsday, the Times and all the sports stories so that I could keep the angle New York. That was the goal every day was to do a New York talk show and not to let people know that I was out of Los Angeles. The show was syndicated in 250 markets and uh, it was really the most magnificent time of my life. I lived in uh, Huntington Beach, which is basically 45 minutes south of LA it's three hours in bumper to bumper traffic and that's the point of my story I used to drive from HB to Culver City every day to do the show the show was on at 10 Eastern 7 West so I had to be there by 7 I would leave at 3 from Surf City 
and I would drive up to Culver City, which is in West LA. And I'll never forget the one thing that stood out to me more than anything else the entire time I lived there was when the Dodgers played games in the East Coast, which was constant. You know, they were in the National League and they would play games in the East and they would go on these long East Coast road trips. And so the games would be at four o'clock in LA and seven o'clock, let's say in New York or wherever they were playing in Atlanta or Philadelphia or wherever. And I would be able to sit in my car in bumper to bumper traffic. It took three hours to go 45 minutes. I mean, imagine the nightmare of driving three hours to work every day in glue, literally shut down, bumper to bumper. You don't move at all. Five lanes wide, 405 is the worst nightmare in the history of of traffic, right? And I mean, I would later learn it's worse in New York because it's so small and there's 10 million people. But the bottom line is this, uh, I had never seen traffic in my life until I lived in, in LA and it was like overwhelming, right? But the one thing that made it like doable where I could actually live with it and I could actually not be fuming mad steaming mad, cussing, swearing, road rage. And I was driving a uh, Mazda RX-7 convertible with a uh, stick shift. It was a five-speed and I had, you know, to work the clutch with my left foot and I had to literally stop and start every five seconds in bumper-to-bumper traffic. It was like enough to drive you absolutely bat shack crazy so there was one thing that made it palatable there was one thing that would make it not the worst day of my life every time it happened five days a week and it was when the dodgers were playing in the east and i could turn on the radio and listen to vin scully oh my god i have never experienced anything like it in my life back then Vin Scully was on the radio and I know he started doing television and he did all the Dodger games on TV that's great but back in the day he would be on the radio and this guy loved the radio If you ever knew stories about Vin Scully, it would always be about him loving the transistor radio. As a child growing up in New York, he said that every night of his life, he sat underneath the radio and listened to baseball games like it was a shower head with water pouring out of it. He said the the baseball broadcast on the radio coming out of the radio was heaven to him. It was everything to him. He lived for it. It was his entire life and existence. That was all that mattered to him. Everyone in Southern California knew about Scully. 
and generations of fans listened to him. They listened for hours to this guy at home, in their cars, on transistor radios. They brought radios to the games and listened to him in the ballpark. It didn't matter if it was at the L.A. Coliseum and you were 80 rows up and you couldn't even see the game before they moved to Dodger Stadium. I'll never forget him saying, Hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you wherever you may be. Pull up a chair and spend part of the day with us. He used to say that they had this big old radio and he crawled underneath it and the speakers would be over his head and something would happen and the announcer would get excited, the crowd would roar, the sound would come out of the speaker like water out of a shower head and it seemed to wash down on him. He was born in the Bronx, but he lived in Brooklyn. He went to Fordham. He ended up working with Red Barber, can you imagine? He took over the gig with the Dodgers in 54. A year later, he called the franchise's first World Series win. (laughs) That's just too good to be true. When they won it, he said, the Brooklyn Dodgers are the champions of the world. And then he went silent. The Dodgers moved to L.A. in 57, and Scully went with them. He called games with Pee Wee Reese and Duke Snyder, Koufax and Don Drysdale. Koufax said once, It sounds corny, but I enjoyed listening to Vince Scully call a game almost more than playing in the games. He called Koufax's historic perfect game in 1965 against the Cubs. His legendary call uh, was remembered for, quote, there's 29,000 people in the ballpark and a million butterflies. A lot of people in the ballpark now are starting to see the pitches with their hearts. When he got the final out, Koufax, listeners on the radio Heard only the fans cheering for 30 seconds when Scully said, quote, On the scoreboard in right field, it is 9.46 p.m. in the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California. In 74, he called Hank Aaron's record-setting 715th home run in Atlanta. In Game 1 of the 1988 World Series against the A's, he was behind the mic as Kirk Gibson slammed a ninth-inning home run that got the Dodgers rolling to the championship. He said, quote, She is gone in a year that has been so improbable. The impossible has happened. I got to tell you, I get broke up just thinking about it, just remembering it, just remembering him, listening to him call a baseball game was the best thing I think I've ever heard in my life of any broadcaster ever doing any sport, anywhere. It didn't matter who it was. There's been millions of broadcasters, but there was only one, Vin Scully. What's crazy is I knew him. (laughs) The guy knew me. I crossed paths with him many times in Los Angeles at events, etc., I was so lucky to meet Vince Scully. It's not even funny. Even at the ballpark, he knew who I was. And it just meant the world to me.
I'll never forget this gem. Andre Dawson has a bruised knee and is listed as day-to-day. Aren't we all? I was so lucky to be able to know him, meet him, listen to him. And then I got to hear Chick Hearn, Dick Enberg, Bob Miller. Some of the greats of all time were out there in L.A. But there was nothing better than listening to Vin Scully call a baseball game. And listening in the car was magical. He brought it to life. He just projected everything. And it was like a picture of life listening to him call a game. Nothing better that I'll ever remember the rest of my life. What a horrible day, the passing of Vince Scully. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 